SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. Working hard 24 hours a day to give you your USRDA of the winning edge. Everything a growing boy needs. Sit up straight. Get it right here on the Sports Grid Radio Network. All right, kids, giddy up. Here we go. Racing to the weekend. I'm excited. I mean, I love doing the radio shows. But two hours away from the weekend. Let's put it that way. Although, Saturday night at midnight on Sirius 204 Sports Grid Radio Network, we will be doing the Light the Lamb show, and we'll be talking about the Stanley Cup final. And who will it be? Will it be the Lightning and the Islanders going against the Canadians? We'll find out tonight, nothing like a Game 7. Brought at Sunset Station in the STN Sports Studios. Don't forget the STN mobile app. Brian Blessing, thrilled to be out here. Chuck Esposito rolls out the red carpet for us. We always appreciate that. And I always appreciate when our pal Andy Isco can join us. Had fun in hour number one with Steve Carr and Andy. And now we soldier forward. And for our listeners at KSHP AM 1400 in Las Vegas, our first chat Locally, and obviously Sirius is on locally, but Golden Knights played well. I liked their game last night. I think that was the way they needed to play more often throughout the series. And the end result was it still wasn't good enough. came to overtime, and Montreal gets the goal in transition, and we'll dive into that. Stevie Slapshot's back in studio. Let me say hi to Stevie, and I will just say this, pal. Think about this. Montreal, and I'm looking ahead to the final. Montreal wins the series as a massive underdog. And we had the question yesterday with Jason Pothier on Vegas Hockey Island. Is it more what Montreal did or what Vegas didn't do? And it's certainly it's a combination of the two, but what was the bigger one? But at the end of the day, Steve, Caulfield had four goals in this series. The entire Golden Knights forward group had four goals, and they didn't score one power play goal. And they had chances at the end of regulation, two good chances in overtime, and lost in overtime. I mean, normally that would mean you lost in five games. You know what I mean? I'm So Montreal made it, and they deserve all the credit, and they're partying up there uh, in Montreal, deservedly so. But it is going to be very interesting to see what the mindset is going to be of the higher-ups and what the future of the Golden Knights core group will be. Yeah, I'm a little scared this offseason, to tell you the truth, at what, what might happen here. I, I hope that the swing of the axe is not too big. That's what I hope. Remains to be seen. Yeah, I, I, I get it. I mean, I'm not kidding you, Stevie. I mean, I'm not kidding you it either. It could be tinkering. Honestly, it could be tinkering. They need help down the middle. Sure, I mean, there are people out there on social media talking about it. We've broke broached the subject. 
They could take a kick at Eichel. They could take a look at Sam Reinhardt. Yeah. Again, again I mean, I, they need they need centers. There's just no getting around that. I I I I I get it. I I don't know. I I just I again this team finals first year and and we know without the major guffaw that semifinals the other three years that that's not I don't swing the axe too big here and cut. But, but Brian, your Buffalo Bills go to the Super Bowl four consecutive years. Did they clean house after that? Because they lost four, uh, they made some. They made changes. You get did it. they clean house? I, I, who's saying Vegas should clean house? I'm, yeah, but they're. You, I, I, what my fear is the big swing because let's say they bring in Eichel, you're going to have to give up guys to get that, and then you're going to have to pay him. So now, so you already are cap strapped. So now you can't. It's it's tougher to get people around him if you bring him in. And well, I hate you, to I hate to break it to you. Yeah. Paying Eichel ten million ain't the end of the world, because the two goalie thing ain't didn't work and it ain't gonna work. Yeah, well, that, there's and, another thing that scares me. Well, that's definitely that is not happening again. Uh, okay, I, well, I, if I the wrong be, if the wrong guy goes out of here, well, th- that remains to be seen. But, well, okay, but Andy, I mean, it's sports. Hey, Vegas, this has been, you know, lollipop land. This has been unbelievable. Four years right out of the gate. Now there are hard decisions to make. I mean, what do you want? Yes, you're really good. You're always good. But I think at the end of the day, when the front office starts to break it down, Andy, I think you look at it and say, all that stuff's great in a regular season, but is this team built to win in the style of play that's required to win in the playoffs? That's what they have to evaluate. Yeah, and I think it starts with having not just a good goalie, but an outstanding goalie. Uh, sort of like what we saw Carey Price do for Montreal. I mean, they had the they had the right formula that would have frustrated most teams in this league, you know, given the fact that, of how they played in the playoffs. They uh, killed penalties, which is, you know, it's, it's basically when you kill a penalty, you're overcoming your mistake. The mistake was the penalty. You're able to overcome it. Mm-hmm. And how often do we hear the, uh, uh, the, the bromide in uh, football? You know, turnovers kill you. Don't turn the football over. Uh, it's often the teams that are able to avoid the mistakes. The talent is there for the, uh, for the Knights. Maybe it's a question of making some adjustments, making, trying some different combinations on the different lines that they have, that they've experimented with. Some have worked, some didn't. I, I would not be in favor of a wholesale change, but certainly tinkering. Well, I love the fact that right out of the gate, Andy must be like Kreskin. He uses the word bromide because Stevie put too much, habanero sauce on his tacos watching the game last night. So bromides are certainly in play. We're going to take a timeout. Uh, We are glad to be with you here on Sirius 204 and the Sports Grid Radio Network. Coming back to Vegas in a moment. We're glad to be with you. Keep it right here. Coming at you all day. Every day. With more attitudes than other lesser networks would deem appropriate. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com.
the Knights' prescription is more cowbell? Uh, they're going to go get something. I'm not sure it's cowbell, but they're going to go get something. <laughs> Do they get a fever? <laughs> uh, Brian Blessing and Andy is go, hey, it's Friday. Don't forget our friends at John Smith Subs, and they get the new deal going on. Any six-inch sub, Monday through Friday, 6 p.m. until closing time, only 5 bucks. And you have to use the promo code 5AFT6, 5 after 6. So good eating at a wonderful price over John Smith's 9701 West Flamingo. Andy, this goes here from the logical approach. Let's just do a little more on the hockey to get your take on it. First of all, tonight. Another game seven. There's nothing like game seven. And we talked in the first hour, and we don't have to go all the way back into that. But applying that kind of mindset in terms of other sports. I did this earlier in the week with the Islanders coming home after getting destroyed. Said, I believe they're going to show up. But if they're going to show up, it's correlated to a lower scoring game. But that would not preclude Tampa Bay from winning a low-scoring game. And it was a plus price to play the under. So I'm like, well, the safer of the two plays is play the under. I'm of the same opinion tonight that the Islanders have a chance. It's a game seven. Elimination games can be nutty. But I'm of the same opinion tonight that if the Islanders are indeed in with a chance and 1-1 to overtime or, you know, a two-one game with three minutes to go, something like that. If the Islanders are involved in contending, it's a low-scoring game. So the safer of the two plays is to play the under. So it's kind of like there's the handicap, but then there's handicapping the wager too, right? The the money man- management aspect of sports betting. Often it's what to play and how to play it, and when to play it. Yes. In football specifically. Well, it, well, uh, all, in all, all sports all, all now with, sports. with the in-play wager, but I, but I know where you're coming from. Uh, what's the totals now? What five with the uh, under? Uh, with five, the it over, was five over juice. thirty, so you'd be yeah. getting plus fifteen cents on the under. Yeah. So you're getting the plus price. You'd be getting thirty-five cents less on the plus price if the Islanders were to win the game. But to me, if the Islanders dictate the game, but it's still a great game, that doesn't mean Vasilevsky can't stand. I'm counting on Vasilevsky to play well. And it could be Braden Point gets a goal to win it 2-1 in overtime. Oh, oh, sure. I mean, look, the uh, game five, that 8 nothing game, is the, uh, the throwaway game, the one that you just totally dis. Uh... Uh, disregard. I don't expect to see that style of play occur tonight in the Game 7. I think both teams will be rather cautious. Once again, you go back to not wanting to make that first mistake. Both teams, especially Tampa Bay, quite capable of capitalizing on mistakes. So I think that uh, your approach is correct. I mean, uh, I mean, you're looking at, in theory, your worst possible situation, you would think, would be a push. 2-2, Three, you know, two-two overtime well, game that. goes three-two. It's a little parachute. But it could also be a game where you don't see much in the way of scoring attempts. Uh, they take uh, time off the ice by uh, being a little bit more deliberate. Uh, as far as the game itself, I mentioned in the first hour, I'll be rooting for the Islanders. That's my team. But if I'm playing the game, I'll be laying the puck and a half with uh, uh, with Tampa Bay. I think that they are the better team. You're getting plus 155, plus 160. Uh, it would not be, and again, there's, what throws that out the window obviously is overtime. So I'm expecting one team to be ahead, in mm-hmm. this case Tampa, to be ahead in the third period. Now they could be ahead by a lot, but it could also be a tight two to one game, 
and then you pull the goalie, and then uh, you just, uh, you, you, with the one-goal lead, Tampa will, I'm assuming they're ahead, they're the team that's ahead, you know, will be happy to uh, just uh, frustrate the Islanders, but at some point they will have an opportunity to uh, get a shot, and if it goes in the goal, there's your, there, I, I think at the price, Tampa Bay minus a goal and a half is my preferred way to play. I don't like to lay that big price with Tampa Bay, but given the fact that this is the final game of the season. Whoever, if there, if the game is not tied, whoever is trailing, may be a little bit more desperate, a little bit earlier than uh, with uh, 90 seconds to go into the uh, third period. Brian Blessing, Andy Esco, we're out at Sunset Station in Henderson, here on Sportsbook Radio. Stevie Slapshot's back in the KSHP studio. Stevie, what's your read on Game Seven and how you would approach it? I like the under. Uh, I agree with you. I was going to ask Andy. So. There, there's one place in town that has five and a half under 55. If you like the under, Andy, in this game, would you rather lay the 55 or would you go five at even money or plus a dime? If you're willing to accept a push, uh, you would go with the five uh, at the plus price. If you go with the uh, under 55, you lay the 55 to go under five and a half and you lose, that's a unit and a half you have to make up. Okay. Generally speaking, with something along those lines, like if you had the choice, I mean, if you really liked something else, I mean, to me in hockey, we're down to only one game tonight. But generally speaking, I'm adverse to laying a big number in hockey because on the menu, there are plus prices galore. It's also such a low-scoring game with one yeah. goal or overtime making the difference in such a high percentage of games compared to, say, relative uh, margins in other sports. But in terms of laying the 50 cents, when it comes to that, my choice would be I'd be willing to lay the 50, but I then would hook it up with something, another game. Yeah, I'm, a, a big, I, a big uh, I'm, heavy, it, heavily priced. Play. Yeah, if I'm betting it flat, I want the plus price. If I'm if I'm going to lay the juice, I'll hook it what up I with What I normally something. tell people is if you – let's use baseball, and you're laying two $2 favorites, minus 200 and minus 200, and they both hit – you get the payoff as, you, as if you had played a plus one twenty five underdog. Have you ever done both, Brian? Where where you you'll hook the five and a half under with something, but then make a straight bet on the five over, you know, or, or the under the five flat, and but you're getting plus a dime. On, yeah. On, yes. Okay. Yeah. I mean, with yeah, if there's conviction, if there's conviction on the play, yes, you say, okay, I'll, like Andy said, I can't see the thing anything going higher than two two in overtime. Knowing that your parachute is a push, but the five and a half would be a winner, also, and then you hook it up. As soon some. as the first goal is scored, things tend to tighten up a little bit for the team that's trailing. No, there's no. It, the funny thing is, like hockey's such a unique animal. I mean, when you're handicapping and watching, and you, you get an early goal, and you're like, "Oh no!" Here, you know, and you're sitting there going. The best thing actually would be, in some regards, for the game to get it to the under is that the team that's behind gets it back to even. You know, oh, my God, it's another goal. Well, wait a minute, but it's 1-1. They're not chasing the game, and the ice isn't opening up as much. So in a weird way, the tying goal could also make the game trend more to the under. it's the what is the second goal of the game? What does the second goal of the game do? And that will often dictate a potential in-game play as well. Well, we kind of saw that with Vegas last night. I mean, Montreal scored, Vegas, bam, Vegas come right back and tied it. Yeah. And that game then went right back to a, a counterpunch kind of thing. Yeah. Good stuff. It's always fun. You know, trying to dissect it. And again, 
the money management aspect of it and start looking towards football and can't wait. I always say this, though. If you have a good read on where a number is going to go, like, you know, you're, you're looking at a basketball game, a number that's inflated. If you're saying oh, Atlanta plus eight looks too good to pass up, you know, you're sitting there staring at that. Well, probably behooves me to bet it on Thursday night because tomorrow, you know, if you're saying, wait a minute, the money's going to come in on the dog, you might as well get, get the plus eight. Well, it, it's at eight right now. I think the closer we get to the game, I think money comes in on Atlanta. Well, I, I, I would think so. Again, I, we, we talked about it, uh, I think, briefly in the first hour. At least we were about to. Yeah. Uh, as far as, you know, well, we can talk about it you know, during yeah, this hour. Time. As far as my approach to the game, your approach Next to the game as well. Yep, Atlanta, Milwaukee, this is going to be good. Trey Young, this guy becoming a budding superstar right in front of our eyes on the big stage. It is a Friday. Glad to be with you. Sportsbook Radio on the Sports Good Radio Network, Series Channel 204. Hey, listen, want to thank Terrible Herbs for all the fun with the VGK game day giveaway throughout the course of the year and Adam S. Kuttner. The way it ended, Stevie, he could have given away trips to Maui. <laughs> yeah, he should have named his price. Named it. We'll be back to Vegas in a moment. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. We're back with you here, Vegas Sportsbook Radio, Sirius 204, the Sports Grid Radio Network. Brian Blessing and Andy Isco, we're out at Sunset Station. Stevie Slapshot back in the KSHP studios. Steve Carp's going to join us on Vegas Hockey Hotline. We will take the deep dive into what went wrong and what may happen in the offseason for the Golden Knights. We turn our attention to the NBA, though, Andy. And that number, Milwaukee's an eight-point favorite. The total in the game is 225. I get the zigzag theory, and I know Milwaukee's like, we cannot lose two games on our home court, and they'll come flying out. I liked what you said in the first by, hour. By the way, it's it's not the ad, it's not the we can't lose on our home court two games. That's not it's not the attitude. It's we cannot afford to lose two games on right, our home court. Exactly. Two different two different meanings. But I. Liked what you said in terms of maybe hey, Milwaukee coming out of the gate, which they did, by the way, in game one. They jumped on Atlanta. I kind of like that philosophy. But that number at eight, and when Trey Young starts finding a rhythm with the teardrops and the over-the-top passes, Atlanta's offense is singing right now. And the fact they didn't quit in that one game against the Sixers and they just coming back and Lou Williams can get kind of white-hot off the bench – the thing for me that, that's the, the selling point to say it's Atlanta or not for me, then you get Giannis yep. throwing bricks, boulders up there from the free throw line. And in the last four minutes of a game, they're going to be fouling it. Oh, and, yeah. And now I'm reading the article today about the fact that uh, there's a bunch of folks uh, uh, throughout the league that are, are upset at the fact that the officials are not calling the 10-second violation once he's handed the ball. 
and the the officials, I think, in their post-game report admitted that they missed it yesterday at the end of the game. They missed it throughout the game, actually. Just what this guy needs more stuff to and, think about. And yeah, and you would think because of that publicity, I mean, look, it's it, it's it maybe a silly rule. If it is, get rid of it. But if it's not, if it's still a rule, enforce it. Okay, or, ju- or just get rid of it. So if they're going to enforce it, they may be a little bit more uh, cautious tonight and be aware of it and call it at least. And, and, you know, maybe what they do is they call it early in the game. So it's less likely to affect the outcome, uh, provided he makes the shots. But uh, that's another factor that you point out uh, with Giannis and his free throws. You know, it's the old shack uh, uh, foul, you know, hack-a-shack. And that's got to be concerned, which is why my approach to the game is to look for Milwaukee in the first half to get out to the lead, to seize control of the game, and then Atlanta has has all that fight in them. Yeah, this could be a 27-point blowout by Milwaukee. They do have the capability of doing that. But, you know, you, you keep discounting Atlanta. They keep coming back. What they did in that Philadelphia series, very impressive. You know, they uh, Philadelphia is the more talented team. Atlanta played the far better ba- basketball, especially at uh, at the critical points of the game. So I could see Atlanta staying in this game because I don't expect them to quit. They have gotten the one win that they really hope to get on the road. They got it in game one. Now they're not going to be they're not going to be satisfied. They're going to look to win game two. But for Milwaukee, if they lose this game, um, I'm not going to say their season their season is over and it's a must game in game three. But if they go down 0-2 heading to Atlanta, they may be facing a must-win game in Game 4 because Atlanta will be – they'll have the crowd, they'll have the, the confidence, the momentum. And really, when you look at, at Milwaukee over the past two, three seasons, they've been as disappointing a team in the playoffs as any team you can name. Stevie and I had the discussion yesterday. Just get your take on the same thing. It's kind of cool how long it's been since Atlanta – has been relative, you know. Relevant. I mean, I'm sorry. Re- thank you. Thank you. Relevant. Relevant. You got me. You got me. I need a bromide. No, <laughs> or, I mean, it's or a it's, it's not. It's nice to see Atlanta matter. How's well, that? It's, it's nice for all these four teams to have uh, a lot of new blood in the playoffs. I mean, uh, let's see. Uh, Atlanta. I don't think they did anything. I think they won a, a championship when they were back in St. Louis in the 1950s. Uh, you know the Clippers haven't won anything. Phoenix, mm-hmm. I think what people, the highlight of Phoenix's uh, franchise existence is that triple overtime game against Boston well, the Clippers in the mid 1970s. Clippers are in trouble. Yeah, and, they got uh, they got they got the Buffalo Braves jinx. <laughs> and Milwaukee, uh, you got to go back to Kareem in the early 70s. So it is amazing. We saw Brooklyn do it, but they ended up coming up short. The Clippers are doing it where Leonard's out and George has taken over. And that's the luxury of having a guy like that. It's kind of a one and a one A. But do you expend so much energy at some point, it gets the best of you? Yeah, but I think you're able to plan and better handle the fact that you do have uh, that intervening uh, day off before you uh, play again. And I've I've been impressed with the Clippers to the extent that uh, they had the, the great game from George earlier uh, with uh, Kawhi out, and the team rallied, and they didn't have a letdown. You had another good game from George in the next game out, and uh, you know Phoenix deservedly is the number one seed. I actually picked the Clippers to win the West prior to the start of the playoffs, but of course it was with the expectation that George and uh, Kawhi would, would both be playing, so it's a totally different uh, uh, situation right now, and I could certainly see Phoenix winning, but... Uh, the Clippers have shown 
you know, the, at times they've shown like, gee, who are we? Who are we looking at? And at the other times they've shown that great resiliency, falling behind as they did to Dallas, and then you know, in their in their next series and uh, coming back to uh, to win. So uh, this is a good situation for uh, for the Clippers. I'm surprised if uh, you recall in Game Three, the Clippers opened a one point favorite. CP3 was still uncertain, and then it was announced that he was going to play. And Phoenix went to a one-point favorite, and that's where they opened for Game Four. So no adjustment at all for uh, CP3. No adjustment really at all for the uh, uh, the situation. So maybe this is one where you look at the situation. I'm more likely than not to be backing the Clippers. Do you believe now, as we're getting deeper and deeper, do we start to finally see significantly lower scoring games? I'm not necessarily sure. Um, I, I think that these teams are going to. Know Atlanta is comfortable. I think both teams are comfortable playing up tempo, but you've got to hit the uh, hit the shots. Obviously, you've got one of the bigger you know bigger names out there, bigger scorers in, in, in Leonard out uh, you know out of it. Uh, I think fundamentally the series would shape as, as unders. Both the Clippers and and and, um, uh, and um, the the Clippers and Phoenix had been involved in some lower than expected scoring games. I think fundamentally. Um, uh, I could see both teams forcing the pace. I don't think that uh, uh, that either team is is noted for being uh, a necessarily above average defensive team. I don't think they're poor, but I think both of their games flourish when they're able to move the ball. Do you find yourself getting involved in player props? No, things of that nature. And why? I mean. Uh, um, if, if not, that's fine. But there's, there's why? Nothing against them. It's just an additional aspect of the game to handicap with a lot more uncertainty because a lot of those player props uh, involve how the game is going to fall, how are they going to call fouls, etc. It's just more variables, and there are many more props to evaluate before you can decide that you like it or you don't like it. You know, if I'm looking at the game and I'm also planning in-game strategy, uh, look, I. I will play props, as you know, in the Super Bowl, mm -hmm. but you've got, you know, 10 days to take a look at those props as opposed to the six to eight hours that you have on a daily basis. You, you may have some idea where well, I'm going to look for uh, to play, you know, assist points and rebounds over a certain number, you know, if it's on this player. And normally it's right on a number where you're not going to want to play it because the number is, uh, is an accurate number as far as what, what you would expect it to be. He's our buddy Andy Isco from The Logical Approach. We're out at Sunset Station on a Friday. Glad to be with you on the Sports Grid Radio Network, Sirius 204. Football start, starting to really get in front of us Bill again. Steel book is the out. Kenny White's Power Ratings yeah, magazine is out. is out. Mark Lawrence, The Playbook magazine. On the way. Yeah, it's great to get the magazines and start doing the homework. But the other thing, and I just want to make note of this now, the football contests are coming back. We know you got the big one with Jay Cornegay and the gang over major, at the major Super Bowl. changes this year in that one. Yeah, then go ahead, tell them about that because there's a game within the game. Yeah, they they've mentioned they haven't posted the official rules yet. The 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 other two major properties that have the contest, the Golden Nugget and the Circa, uh, they've been accepting entries since uh, since sometime in May. Westgate's going to start accepting entries. Uh, next Thursday, July 1st, I think they're going to have the rules put up at that time, maybe a day or two in advance. But the major changes, uh, I think this, I think the contest started in 1988, if I recall, maybe 89, but I think it was 88. It's been, always been a $1,500 entry fee. They've lowered it to $1,000 right now uh, to be basically in line uh, with the uh, Circa contest that is uh, fashioned after the Westgate, the five picks per week. 
for the last several years, and this met with a lot of criticism, and we saw it in the decline. In Initially, we saw it, uh, a decline in the rate of increase in the number of entries. Mm-hmm. And last year, we saw a significant decline. They had been taking out an 8% administrative fee, an 8% rake. They've eliminated that, eliminated that this year, so 100% of the entry fees are going into the prize pool. And then the other thing they did, they used to have the mini contest for many years. Last year, uh, they did what I think the circuit had done the year before. They offered a quarterly contest, four quarterly contests. Uh, as, you, didn't have to, you didn't have to worry about signing up early. If you signed up at all, you're, you're involved in each of the four quarterly contests. Well, they've expanded it this year, and it works out nicely because there are 18 weeks to the season, so they've got nine contests, six contests, weeks one through three, four through six, seven through nine, et cetera, et cetera. So if you get up to a crummy and, start, you're yeah, still breathing. And they've got three six-weeks contests, one through six, seven through 12, 13 Smart. through 18. So uh, a lot of nice things there. I think they're restructuring the prize pool a little bit, but that information will be out when they start t- accepting entries uh, July 1st. And as I mentioned, Circa and Golden Nugget already going strong. All right, Andy Isco, football's are coming. So's a break. we got to take a timeout. You're coming in from out of town. You're heading to the Strip. We invite you to go to the Golden Circle Sportsbook and Sports Bar. See our pal, the big guy, Tony Neville, does a great job. And downtown, Tony Miller. They got the Saltgrass Steakhouse. He's got the mobile app, a standalone book, and the concert series. Check out GoldenNugget.com for all the cool things that are happening downtown at the Golden Nugget. Back to Vegas in a moment. When you're a winner, you get good at spotting advantages. Like us. Sports gaming strategies and expert information. The winning edge. This is the SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. Sports Grid Radio Network. Back with you, Vegas Sportsbook Radio from Sunset Station. Thanks to Chug Esposito, our friends uh, all around the valley, the station casino properties, the STN mobile app. Coming in from out of town, you want to sign up to get the great sign-up bonus. And again, all the benefits that come with it. Shopping for numbers, convenience, in-game wagering, the whole nine yards. Brian Blessing and Andy Isco here. Stevie Slapshot back in the KSHP studios. How about baseball, Andy? I know you got your big annual sojourn is coming up. What games are you going to go see? You got not, it all lined not up? Not quite sure yet. Uh, there's some concern about whether we're going to be able to make it to a Yankee. Well, first thing is, my, I'm going back for two weeks, but the latter part of the last four or five days is the when the all-star break starts so that cuts it out a little bit uh and i'm gonna go visit usually the rotations yankees mets phillies right maybe washington maybe uh not this time okay not this time it says it is on occasion but uh the phillies i'm not going to be able to see because when i'm going down there to visit the phillies are uh, on a road trip uh, the Yankees uh, may see the next Tuesday or Wednesday, and the Mets also next Tuesday or Wednesday. Uh, I'm sorry, the Tuesday or Wednesday uh, after uh, July 4th. So it's going to be a little bit tight. Uh, so there's uh, some uncertainty there, but I hope to get to at least one of the uh, one of the venues. What have you been spotting in baseball in terms? Are there trends or things 
that have come to the forefront at this point of the season. I'm still amazed at the number of uh, hitters who are hitting 220 or less this deep into the season. A number of them have paid. Charlie Blackman was struggling for about the months of April and May. He's now back in the, like the 270s or something. But there are a number of players, I can't recall specifically the example I had, uh, who have been struggling in that 210, 215 area now. And we're talking about players who have had, you know, 200-plus at-bats. Um, the pitching, of course, I want to see how these things continue to evolve with the stick, sticky substance thing. Haven't noticed a lot of... Um, uh, changes yet, but they only started enforcing it this past Monday, so it'll take a few starts. But I think there will be some pitchers who have ex- there have been some who have expressed difficulty with it, and there may be more who will express the difficulty uh, through subpar results compared to what they did earlier. But there are also a number of pitchers who uh, uh, have had uh, surprisingly good results, and we see that by we had our seventh no hitter of the season last night. It was a combined no hitter, mm-hmm. and then of course you had the Madison Bumgarner seven inning no hitter uh, at the, the uh, part of a double hitter. So I think the pitching there have been some really very very good pitchers, uh, uh, someone like Kyle Gibson of. Texas, uh, Kevin Galsman of San Francisco, largely journeyman starters for much of their career, and they are just having outstanding seasons. Now, how much that has to do with what they may or may not be doing with the baseball, maybe we'll find out. Maybe they have pitching coaches who just happen to trigger the right uh, response. But uh, uh, I'm not one who generally follows trends because I'll handicap games on an individual basis, although I do, I look at current form, but I don't bet based on current form. How big a nightmare is the foreign substance thing? How big a nuisance does it remain the rest of the summer? Uh, It's going to be a distraction. Uh, I'm surprised that baseball apparently had been knowing about this for so long and letting it to go on. It's almost like, in a lesser way maybe, a repeat of the steroids era where they turned a blind eye. But I remember how back in the 1960s, and Steve, you'll remember this. You probably remember it too, uh, Brian. Uh, you know, the spitball and mm-hmm. uh, Gaylord Perry. and Go, go ahead, Stevie. Uh, tell them that you got your Gaylord, Gaylord Perry stories. Well, you know, but, uh, but, but or Nail Files, I think, was one of the Negroes. They threw it out behind the mound when the pitcher came. And they really made a point out of doing away with that, uh, that stuff. And then slowly, nobody really paid attention to it. And apparently... It's much more prevalent than I, even I thought it was. So, the, yeah, that, that was Joe. He, he had a he had sandpaper and a nail file in his back pocket. I'll never forget that day. And 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 as far as Gaylord goes, it it started with salt pills. He used, he used salt pills on the mound to you know to to, uh, to replenish right, the, the, what you lose in sweat. And he found that it created a lot of saliva. And so he started with with that uh, doctoring up the baseball, and it eventually got to Vaseline and other things. But that's where it started with salt pills with Gaylord. I miss those old characters. You had, you had the Negro, Hoyt Wilhelm, the knuckleballers. Was it Dizzy Dean who said, if you ain't cheating, you, you ain't, ain't trying. trying. You ain't trying. Uh, how about tonight in baseball, the weekend in baseball, Yanks, Red Sox? Yeah, that's always going to be uh, an interesting series. And, of course, uh, four of the five teams in the American League East, with the, you know, with the exception of Baltimore, so Tampa, Toronto, Yankees, and Boston, all have winning records. So uh, you've got four teams that are playing uh, good baseball, at least at this point, although the Yankees have been very streaky. Uh, they've been slumping as well, and Boston overcame a poor start to their season. Uh, they're now double-digit games above uh, uh, 500. Uh on the surface, uh, my handicapping shows this to be a high-scoring game. Melito Perez not in good form yeah. 
for Boston. Ten and a half's the total. Yeah, I, I like runs in the game. It, it opened at ten, which I felt was the right number, and I was looking for nine and a half. So at, at ten and a half, I can't really play it. But you would think that you would get uh, uh, some runs in that game. Uh, looking at some of the pitchers, and this is a big price, and I understand why it's a big price because it's the Mariners at the White Sox, but but Kikuchi has been pitching extremely well for Seattle going back over really about the last uh, month and a half, two months or so. He's going up against Carlos Rodon, one of those uh, pitchers who pitched a uh, no-hitter early in the season. Uh, he's laying at least, uh, where is it, minus 200. I'm looking at the opening lines here at uh, stations and take back plus 181 uh, for Seattle. Uh, I'll probably take a shot with uh, uh, with Kikuchi tonight. He's been playing well. And Seattle as a team has been playing well over the last week or so, although I do like the White Sox in the American League Central to, uh, to win that uh, uh, win that division. In the National League, uh, I've played uh, Tawan Walker uh, over the uh, uh, Phillies in the first game of their doubleheader today. They didn't have announced the pitchers. Uh, I believe Aaron Nola and Mike Moore are the two starters. I believe Nola was going in the first game, but I'm not positive of that. At least that's what I saw the initial report. But uh, I like Tawan Walker. He's pitched well for the Mets. And the Mets are really they're losing pitchers. Uh, Joey Lucchese, who came over from San Diego, it was horrible for his first seven or eight starts. He actually started to slow down. He's now out for the season. Uh, Tommy John surgery. Syndergaard hasn't made his appearance back. He went underwent uh, uh, Tommy John surgery last year. Uh, Carlos Carrasco, who the Mets acquired as a, as a likely starter this year, hasn't pitched yet. He's uh, been injured and hasn't, uh, uh, I don't think he's begun his rehab yet. So, Or his rehab had been set back. He had a setback about uh, three weeks ago. So the Mets are winning with uh, uh, with a decent but uh, lesser than expected rotation. Of course, Jacob deGrom putting up the best numbers in baseball, but because he doesn't get a lot of support, uh, you you lose money when you back him. That's why he's one of those situations where uh, even though he um, doesn't allow very much, he's one of those pitchers that you have to think twice about even if you want to lay that big price and put him in a, in a parlay with someone because of the fact that he doesn't uh, get the run support. What do you make of what the Astros are doing? 11-game winning streak, two games ahead of the A's. That's going to be a fun race, but, boy, Houston's hitting the cover off the ball. Well, it's one of two things. Either they've found a new way to uh, cheat and not be detected, or they're just a very good offensive team, and they didn't need to cheat because uh, uh, even though it may have helped them, they've got a lot of uh, power up and down that lineup, even with the uh, guys like Springer gone. And uh, one of the things, I don't remember the number. I think it is now... 43 run differential. They are plus 43, not plus 43 runs scored versus runs allowed, plus 43 over the second best team in run differential. That's how far and away better they have been, at least in that one measure of uh, of uh, power. And their 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 defensive or pitching numbers are are adequate. Granke has been much more good than bad this year. He's had a couple of uh, poor outings. Some of the young kids, the kid going tonight, uh, Valdez, mm-hmm. uh, has been pitching extremely well. But you know they're what 290 over the uh, Astros. Maybe uh, you know maybe that's when you you parlay with your um, uh, your your hockey. Uh, uh, over minus the 55. Do you look at well, the run- under, under under minus yeah. the 55 with the number of five, not five and a half. Do you look at the run differential stuff? I mean, or, I'm sorry, five and a half under minus 55 on the five and a half. Houston's plus 144 run differential. Yeah. First place. White Sox plus 86. First place in the central. Tampa Bay plus 76. First place in the American League East. Uh, the Mets. 
You look at the NL East, they're plus 20. Nobody's lighting the world on fire there. Um, the Brewers actually minus one run differential. Uh, the Cubs are plus 28. Again, that division, you know, you got a race going on there. But then the Giants are plus 101, and the Dodgers in second are plus 92. Do you – is that anything? I, I'm aware of that. It explains why teams are in first place because, you know, you, you look at Milwaukee. What that tells you is that Milwaukee is, A, either winning very close games or, B, when they lose, they lose by margins to be basically – even in runs scored and allowed. I think you said they're minus one and yet being in uh, first place. It's another tool that I look at, but I don't really use it in any way other than that when you've got a team that is able to uh, win by margins as Houston has, I think they've won by, what, nine or ten runs the last uh, two games. Those are teams that you do not mind, especially when they've got the favorable pitching matchups and they're decent-sized favorites, yet that you don't mind laying the run and a half. You got a team or two? And when is the time that you would get involved in terms of futures? Usually uh, at the all-star break, everything gets readjusted. Uh, Houston is certainly a team, and they're not going to be priced the way they were a month ago. Uh, but that power uh, is certainly something that uh, will catch the odds makers' attention. Uh, the National League East may present some value if you can pick the which one of the five teams. Well, you may want to put Miami out of there, but the other four teams, which which of those five teams will survive? There may be some value in playing the National League East just to win the National League East. It may be a division where 86 to 88 wins may be good enough uh, to win that division at the end. Um, Giants, there's, there's a lot of thought that the Giants won't be able to keep up uh, this pace. I like the Padres coming into the season. Uh, the Dodgers uh, have been more of a disappointment. Remember, they got off to that, what was it, 14 to 1, 14 to 1 start or something like that. Mm-hmm. I know it was some tremendous start, and they've fallen back, and now they've, you know, they just lost the two to the Padres, and they lost to the Cubs last night. No hit uh, by the, those uh, four pitchers. Uh, but usually at the All Star break, I'll take a look. I, I, I'm still looking at Milwaukee in the National League Central. I like their starting rotation with uh, guys like Woodruff, uh, Corbin Burns, and uh, Freddie Peralta. But then again, when I mention that, I step back and I say, you also have to consider that starting pitching is not nearly as important today as it was even five or six years ago. Uh, There are many uh, managers now who are pulling starters out, even though they haven't thrown a lot. I think Davies came out last night. He was pitching the no-hitter, 74 pitches through six innings, and they took him out. Um, Maybe it's a reaction to what Tampa Bay did, that they don't want to see a guy go more than maybe twice through a lineup, uh, which probably was the case last night. Maybe he pitched to a couple of extra batters going through the first uh, six innings. But uh, I've I've mentioned it before. I think Tony La Russa did it back in the early to mid-90s, I think he went to a situation where he would have three pitchers, each pitch three innings. And Tampa Bay sort of adopted that. I, I could certainly understand when it came last year in the World Series, I could certainly understand if a manager says, you're going, facing nine batters, next guy comes in, nine batters, batter never sees the same pitcher twice in a game. Andy Isco, the logical approach, our guest on Sportsbook Radio. Hey, listen, race into the weekend. Don't forget our friends over at Oasis. 49.55 South Decatur, Right near the corner of Tropicana, get the great gaming promotions, 5,000 cash back to players each and every month. Great food, great drink. The banquet room's open, kitchen 24-7. A lot of fun over at Oasis. Coming back to Sunset Station, and we are glad you're with us on Sportsbook Radio, Series 204, Sports Grid Radio Network. 
such a harsh word. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. All right, Scott Farrell's coming up top of the hour on the network. Sports Grid Radio, Sirius 204. I've got Vegas Hockey Hotline with our pal Steve Carp from Simbin.Vegas. A lot to talk about locally on the Golden Knights. Coming up short against Montreal and what happens in this offseason. And there's a listen live function at KSHP.com. Looking forward to the weekend with the golf and NASCAR races. I might actually go out and hit the white pellet tomorrow myself. So looking forward to a little... Two-day uh, respite, but tomorrow night we'll do the Light the Lamp show for you. Cam Stewart and I on Sirius 204 will break down the Stanley Cup final for you on the Sports Grid Radio Network. That is tomorrow night at midnight, re-airs Sunday morning at 7 a.m. The game tonight, Andy, our friend Steve Karp's heart may not be able to take it, but I'm rooting for 1-1 in overtime. I want the Islanders to win. But I'm I'm rooting for a low-scoring game, and the way these two teams are, I think it'd be unbelievable. Game seven OT. Yeah, I mean I'm going to be. It's hard to say you're going to be rooting for a team and then make a bet the other way, but you know it's it's it's. Well, you know, it'll be happy head or heart, way. head or heart. Yeah. yeah, it could be tough, but uh, uh, I'm I'm still I'm still uh, mi- mixed emotions as to what I'm going to do. Because I would like to see the Islanders win. Um, you know, I remember back in the gold, the glory days, and we've talked about it before, comparing the start to the Islanders' first 10 years to the Golden Knights story. The only thing that scares me is when this is all over, if the Islanders win, when whoever wins the Stanley Cup, they're going to either be throwing cans at them on the ice or flipping cars over in the street. Those are your options with the Islanders fans in Montreal. <laughs> I don't know. It seems if you're happy, you'd celebrate. You wouldn't wreck stuff. Well, that's how they celebrate. And I guess. All that, uh, all that uh, frustration, especially after a year of, of pandemic and not being able to uh, have those explosions. Those, Andy, uh, thank you, buddy. Segment. Always good stuff. I'll Andy is seeing go- you in a couple of weeks. You got it, pal. Andy is go from the logical approach. Thanks to CV Slapshot back in studio. We're not done. We've got Vegas Hockey Allen coming back to Sunset Station in a moment. I hope all around the network, everybody has a great weekend. Scott Farrell's coming up at the top of the hour. Have a great weekend, folks. Sometimes winning just comes down to attitude. Well, that and listening to us 16 hours a day. Just saying. We are.